Truth News Network. A lone voice cries out in the night for an end to the lies, for an end to the deceptions, for an end to the corruption, for an end to the cancel culture that destroys wantonly all that oppose it. Where do you find that voice? (laughs) Right here. His name is Dan Newman. His name is Dan Newman. I don't know what that was about, but I get it. His name is Dan Newman. Uh, That would be me. (laughs) Hello, all of you guys and girls, and I know I'm being politically incorrect, but you know what? It doesn't matter because it is what it is, and I'm who I am, and uh, we're doing today what we're doing today, period. And I want to say you made a choice, and I'm thankful for you making that choice and joining us here at TNN Live. You know, sometimes things in our lives just don't go the way we want them to. And I'm pretty sure you know what I'm talking about. I think every one of us have those kind of issues in our life. And so what do we do? We just make the best of it. That's all we can do. And to make the best of it, I don't know who created the falsehood that said If you have enough power, if you have uh, information on somebody in government or somebody else that you don't like and you can use that information against them to get power over them, if you walk in that lane, I got to be honest with you, it won't last. It's not going to last. You're going to find yourself in torment. You're going to find yourself in a scenario where you didn't plan for something But because you've been who you have been to those people and you've tried to take power over them, you're going to find out exactly what quid pro quo means. Please, please, just back up. Go on up to the 10,000-foot level. That's where you need to begin every day, where you just look down on your life. Look down on those who are within your circle of influence. And I'm talking... Get outside your family, of course, inside your family. Those are critical things to consider every day and people to consider every day. Do that. I'm not saying don't do that. But spend a few minutes looking at your circle outside of your home and all those that are inside that circle. And one by one, think for a few moments about them, about the role they play in your life. But then think about them and their lives things that you may know about, bad things sometimes, good things other times. But just remember this, we don't know everything about those people's lives. We don't know about the bad. And so walk into your relationships, your interactions with these people and be open. And don't jump on every little thing they say or do or every little thing they don't do or say that they should. Don't concentrate on that. Stay up at the 10,000-foot level. Spend a little more time up here. What does that do for you? You can be more objective. You can be more open. You can be more honest. You can be more knowing about things that happen to other people. And those people obviously interact with you and how your interaction with them is impacted by these things could be determined by the way you treat these people. 
You know what you call that? Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. What I just explained to you is a Jesus thing. It's about being something positive for everybody in your life. Let them understand. Let them know by the way you act over time that when they have issues, that they can come to you, that they don't have to be afraid of you. They don't have to be looking over their shoulders every day wondering where you are and what you think about them. Wow. Dan's preaching this morning. No, I'm just being honest with you. Whether or not we're talking about Christianity, and that's part of it, and to be quite honest with you, if you go to the Bible and look for some tenets of Christianity, you're going to find some very fundamental ways to interact with other people. And if we do those kind of things, not only is it going to be good for those people, but it's going to be good for us because we're doing something positive to impact our world. And I think, maybe I'm wrong. Tell me if I'm wrong. But I think our world needs a little more positive influence (laughs) than it's getting most days today because there is negativism out the wazoo. We're going to talk a little bit about that today. And the reason we talk about it is because it's something that we all face and we must deal with it. And to start the show today... And let me tell you where we're going. We obviously will launch into the election stuff because it's changing by the hour now as we get into less than a week until the midterm elections. Can you believe that? I mean, we're already in November, the 2nd of November. The 2nd of November is a massive day in American history. Did you know that? Well, let me tell you why. It's because today, in 1976, one of the two most beautiful and important women in world history breathed her first breath. Our youngest daughter, Corey Shirley, was born today. On that day, a lot of people will say there were a lot of things that were important that happened November 2nd, 1976, that are more important than Corey Shirley. Look who was elected president that day. (laughs) Do you know who? Jimmy Carter. Oh my gosh, what a scourge on humanity. But I'm not thinking about politics that day. I'm thinking about a young woman who has already changed the world. Obviously, she changed ours, but she's an amazing individual. Both of our daughters are. They're world changers. And I want to say happy birthday to Corey Shirley as she celebrates today. And as old as she is, (laughs) you do the math. I'm not going to do it for you. She is spectacularly beautiful in every way. And she lives every day to change the lives of people around her, doing some of the things we just mentioned to you. She's a special person. For those of you that know Shirley, Corey, that know Shirley, know Corey, Corey Shirley, and you live in the Shreveport area, hey, just letting you know today's her birthday. Her mother just left just a moment ago, taking to Corey's office 
Uh, Marianne cooks the best cinnamon rolls on earth, and she took a pan of her famous cinnamon rolls to drop off at Corey's office. So if you're one of her friends and you get over there in a hurry, you might get one. But I will tell you this. I know the people in that office, and those cinnamon rolls probably won't last very long. Corey obviously won't eat one. She is a health nut, and she works out all the time. But it's just a thought. And she's got people that work for her, and I'm sure she'll share. That's what she does. So getting into some of the other stuff that we're going to talk about today, obviously, there's a lot of negative things that happen in the United States. We don't want to delve on those. Some people say, why don't you talk about positive things? We do when they're out there, and they're individually or globally applicable to a lot of people that we can relate to, stories that we can duplicate if they're good in our lives. But there are some bad things that you just need to be made aware of that you may not know about. As an example, Homeland Security, they're supposed to be the folks that are taking care of us, keeping us safe from foreign foes. Come to find out the DHS has left open a special feature that allows government officials to flag Facebook posts for misinformation. They've got that power today. Department of Homeland Security has the power to interject into Facebook posts and they're able to flag those posts when they're deemed to be misinformation. And so you remember that controversial advisory board that came out and was supposed to start. It was they put together by Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas and the American people went nuts. And we were told, never mind, it's not going to happen. Well, they just did it behind our backs. Can you believe they did that? So what is happening now? The activities include a Facebook portal only accessible by government and law enforcement reps to formally request the Facebook platform kill or label alleged misinformation. A leaked set of slides contains instructions on how to operate that system, even the URL to access the site. You, you want to know what it is? Facebook.com slash xtakedowns forward slash login. And I checked it just before we went live. It's still there. Now, you got to have login credentials, but you can see what the government, the federal government has been doing because Facebook gave them access. Platforms have got to get comfortable with government. It's really interesting how hesitant they remain. One Homeland Security official told a Microsoft representative back in February. Our government has for years talked about the scope and the scale of online content moderation and government should engage in, as well as how to compel the social media platforms to flag or remove misinformation, disinformation, and malinformation. And this came from some minutes meeting minutes and records that were appended to a lawsuit filed by Missouri Attorney General Eric Schmidt. 
The department now considers rooting out misinformation online as a critical element of its overall mission. Now, that's according to a draft of the 2022 Quadrennial Homeland Security Review that was reviewed by any and every news media outlet that want to because it's public information now. So while the document highlights counterterrorism as DHS's primary objective, it acknowledges that, quote, misinformation and disinformation spread online can exacerbate terrorist threats from domestic violent extremists. That's according to The Intercept. It calls for DHS to use their advanced computer analytical software, hire experts to, quote, better understand how threat actors use online platforms to introduce and spread toxic narratives intended to inspire or incite violence. Now, it boils down to this. Who defines what is and what is not disinformation, misinformation, or that new word I just heard, malinformation, which would justify being pulled down or labeled one of those three in one of those three categories? Who would have that authority? Well, guess what? They already have that authority. The Department of Homeland Security has it. And you've been wondering as if I, as if I, why and how many when we hear these people's Facebook quotes, Facebook comments they make are being labeled as misinformation or disinformation. We've been wondering why and where that comes from. Well, it comes from the Department of Homeland Security. So our government, folks, is in the middle of it and has been in the middle of it, and it's been hidden. You want to know something else? Google. Google right now is under intense scrutiny after a study from North Carolina State University found that Gmail, which I have a Gmail account, sent roughly 59% more Republican campaign emails to users' spam folders than Democrats. Back in 2020, the Republican National Committee alleges that this imbalance is going on today and it's intentional on Google's part. Now, a Media Research Center study claims Google is favoring Democrats in search results related to Senate races, but not to House races. So this is according to Media Research Center. Quote, in the Senate study, Media Research Center, Free Speech America, conducted Google buried 10 of 12 Senate Republican Party candidates' campaign websites while highlighting their opponents' campaign sites in organic search results. But when doing the same search, Bing and DuckDuckGo showed both the Senate Democrat Party candidates' campaign websites and the Senate Republican Party candidates' campaign websites in the top five organic search results on page one. Meanwhile, media research uh, committees found that Google placed Republican campaign websites higher in search results than Democrat campaign uh, websites by a 21 to 11 margin 
in-house races while giving four races equal treatment. Media Research applied the exact same methodology from its Senate study to analyze 36 top House races where polling shows the House does not hang in the balance. Google strongly disputed the findings of the study, of course. They told Fox News that this report is designed to mislead, testing uncommon search terms that people rarely use. Anyone who searches for these candidates' names on Google can clearly see that their campaign websites rank at the top of results. In fact, all of these candidates currently rank in the top three and often in the first spot in Google search results. How can anybody credibly disagree? Because guess who owns how you find the search results? Google does. So, Elon Musk, I got to be honest with you, he's been one of my favorite people through the last couple of years. I've watched him evolve socially and uh, psychologically. And uh, in, I guess, media watching over the last two years, his perspective has totally changed. Now that he owns Twitter, He has limited Twitter employees' access to content moderation tools, and he's doing that in just the first few days of ownership, as he promises a radical change in Twitter's course on censorship. Bloomberg reports that Elon's Twitter has frozen some employees' access to tools that are designed to enforce the site's content moderation policies curtailing the power of employees to ban accounts, remove some posts, and other acts of censorship, and what the outlet says curbs the staff's ability to clamp down on misinformation ahead of a major U.S. election. Here's what Bloomberg said. Most people who work in Twitter's trust and safety organization are currently unable to alter or penalize accounts that break rules around misleading information offensive posts, and hate speech, except for the most high-impact violations that would involve real-world harm, according to people familiar with the matter. Those posts were prioritized for manual enforcement, they said. People who were on call to enforce Twitter's policy during Brazil's presidential election did get access to the internal tools on Sunday, but in a very limited capacity. That's according to two of these people. The company is still utilizing automated enforcement technology and third-party contractors, according to one, though the highest-profile violations are typically reviewed by Twitter employees. The concern that the social media giant, which jettisoned trust and safety arch-sensor Viaja Gotti, as well as CEO Agrawal in some of Musk's first moves, may not be able to effectively interfere in the midterms. That was echoed by Rolling Stone. Wow, wow, wow. Who would think that Twitter would interfere in any political election? But they have been every two years. The drastic change in content moderation could potentially affect Twitter's trust and safety team's ability to both monitor and enforce moderation policies ahead of the midterm elections on November 8. Time also picked up the narrative, running the headline, 
Twitter limits content moderation tools ahead of midterm elections. Is that a big deal that Twitter limits that content moderation tools? They're saying this just like the norm is that Twitter just goes willy nilly and they just restrict as much access to any post as they want to. To the media, it's now an expectation rather than a matter of controversy that social media platforms will ramp up censorship and interference ahead of an election. Yoel Roth, a leftist holdover at Twitter, wants to cry Trump as a racist tangerine and complained about the actual Nazi in the White House, but who for now has the support of Musk, attempted to calm the media's fears. He said this, This is exactly what we, or any company, should be doing in the midst of a corporate transition to reduce opportunities for insider risk. We're still enforcing our rules at scale, tweeted Roth, who currently leads Twitter's safety and integrity team. Now, let me tell you who's getting afraid. It's not the American individual. It's the media monsters. They're scared to death now because one of the tools that they have been able to use, which is to reach in to Twitter, and the government and these watchdog media outlets who work on the behest of the government are actually able to control the tools that have been within Twitter specifically to enable these outlets to censor the post of Twitter clients. Something we just found out. You know why we found out? Because Elon Musk bought Twitter. Now, we have much more to talk about. I mean, some very important things that you need to know. You're going to hear directly from um, somebody working with Twitter and Facebook. Dave Rubin's got a report on that. Also, Kennedy. Kennedy talks about the left now in total meltdown mode over the polls that for the first time they're seeing an election slip away because they're the media not influencing voters enough to push the Democrat Party to the top. It's going to be a fun day. You're going to snicker when you hear some of this stuff. We'll get cranked up right after this. I'm a Verizon engineer, and today we're turning on 5G across the country, including right here in New York City. With the coverage of 5G nationwide and in more and more cities, the unprecedented performance of ultra-wideband. It will change your phone and how businesses do everything. I'm proud because we didn't build it the easy way. We built it right. This is the 5G America's been waiting for, only from Verizon. 5G ultra-wideband available only in parts of select cities. 5G nationwide available in 1,800 plus cities. Today on Hey Culligan, softer equals better. Here's a tweet from Ed Itchy in Idaho. Hey Culligan, my laundry is so scratchy, I just cut myself on a cable knit sweater. Any suggestions? Hashtag send help. Hey, Ed Itchy in Idaho. Yes, the Culligan High Efficiency Water Softener will make that thing so soft, it'll go from cable knit to cable knot. Itchy. Hashtag soft laundry. Hashtag already on the way. Get started for as little as $10 a month for six months at participating Culligan dealers. 
If you think we're just four wheels in a grill, think again. The Jeep Grand Cherokee redefines freedom. But what really makes Jeep? It's finding the perfect balance between luxury and adventure without ever compromising. It's driving across the country to see your family, to make new memories. So, what makes Jeep? You do. Jeep. There's only one. Jeep is a registered trademark of FCA US LLC. The advanced surgeons at the Center for Innovative GYN Care look beyond quick fixes like birth control to help their patients find the best treatment options for complex GYN conditions. My name is Sakina, and I had the CIGC groundbreaking minimally invasive hysterectomy. I got back to my life in a week with only two small incisions and minimal scarring. Discover the CIGC difference with offices in Midtown Manhattan and Montclair, New Jersey. Telemedicine appointments are also available. Book a consultation at InnovativeGYN.com or call 888-SURGERY. This is the truth your mama warned you about. TNN, the Truth News Network. Truthnewsnet.org. And Dan Newman. Talking about mamas. Mamas better be on point. Their babies are under attack as never before. And it doesn't matter who's on watch, mamas. It's happening. You need to be extra mindful of everything that your child is taking in. I'm talking about social media, television, radio, anything that your kids are taking in. You need to know what it is, where it's coming from, and how it's affecting and impacting your kids. I'm serious. There's too much out there, too much out there in the marketplace of ideas that is dangerous for our children. And if we, moms and dads and grandparents, if we don't step up and step in, there's no telling what's going to happen to our kids. So let's circle back to Elon Musk and Twitter, his purchase of Twitter. It doesn't bring any other redeeming qualities than this, it will have been worth it. Musk fired a bunch of Twitter execs. And after he fired them, he found out that one of those was holding monthly meetings with Biden's Department of Homeland Security. Why? To talk about censorship of certain Twitter accounts. So what accounts are they talking about? As I promised Dave Rubin has a look in on all that. So the major story that dropped yesterday, and just let's just see how the corporate media covers or does not cover this one, is that in essence, the FBI and the CIA have been working with big tech. We all kind of suspected it, but yeah, it turns out that it's true. We've got some info from Breitbart here. Executives from Facebook and Twitter, including the recently fired head of trust and safety, Vijaya Gade, that was the woman who was just fired from Twitter, held regular meetings with the Department of Homeland Security to discuss censorship on a wide range of topics, including the withdrawal from Afghanistan, coronavirus, and racial justice, according to leaked documents. The information came to light via leaks to The Intercept, as well as documents and Minutes revealed through Missouri Attorney General Eric Schmidt's lawsuit filed against the Biden administration that alleges government collusion with big tech to suppress Americans' first right, First Amendment rights. The report also reveals an official process for the government to flag misinformation to Facebook via The Intercept. 
There is also a formalized process for government officials to directly flag content on Facebook or Instagram and request that it be throttled or suspended through a special Facebook portal that requires a government or law enforcement email to use. At the time of writing, the content request system at facebook.com slash xtakedowns slash login is still live. DHS, Department of Homeland Security, and Meta, the parent company of Facebook, did not respond to a request for comment. The FBI declined to comment. Some of the meetings between social media representatives and the government included Kate Starbird, the leftist professor who leads the Election Integrity Partnership. In June, the same DHS advisory committee of CISA, which includes Twitter head of legal policy, trust and safety, Vijaya Gade, and University of Washington professor Kate Starbird drafted a report to the CISA director calling for an expansive role for the agency in shaping the information ecosystem. The report called on the agency to closely monitor social media platforms of all sizes, mainstream media, cable news, hyper-partisan media, talk radio, and other online resources. They argued that the agency needed to take steps to halt the spread of false and misleading information with a focus on information that undermines key democratic institutions such as the courts or by other sectors such as the financial system or public health measures. Okay, guys, this is seriously massive. This is not nothing. This is big, okay? The government was working with big tech. We all kind of thought it. It all felt very weird. Why did that Hunter Biden thing disappear? Why could people not only not share the story and the New York Post, a place of journalism for over a hundred years, was suspended from Twitter, but if you took the link from their website and shared it in your private messages on Twitter, your direct messages, suddenly it would disappear. Why is it that we know obviously some people uh, are blown off Twitter They're blown off Twitter like Donald Trump, like Project Veritas, because they go against the narrative. And it very rarely happens to lefties. The idea that the government, it wasn't even just about COVID and elections. It was also about people who were arguing against the narrative related to Afghanistan. I mean, this is deep, deep stuff. And really think about it. What is the First Amendment, guys? You all know it. I have a bright audience, right? This isn't MSNBC over here. The First Amendment means that the government cannot infringe on your right to free speech. So if you were using your speech on a platform like Twitter and the government was coming in and censoring it, shadow banning it, deleting it, whatever they were doing with it, a government agent was acting and infringing on your First Amendment right to free speech, this is, this is huge. We got to find out what's going on and we've got to take actions as American citizens to protect our First Amendment rights. And the scary thing is our government is opening the door for hand-picked people that are supposedly knowledgeable about all things to do with online media, letting those people totally determine what's misinformation and what's not. How about that age-old explanation of the First Amendment that I've heard my entire life? The First Amendment guarantees anyone to say anything that might upset someone else. It may not be nice, but it's legally available for use. 
And of course, everybody who says whatever they, they want to say, they can be held accountable for the results of it. But they have the right to say it. That's out the window now. Facebook, Twitter, Google, YouTube. They have taken over the responsibility to be solely available to describe and to use disinformation, misinformation, malinformation tools that they have total rights to determine what is and what isn't. Does that bother you at all? We've suspected it for years, but we never knew about it until all of a sudden a lawsuit filed by the state of Missouri against big tech, and it's listed as an attachment in the lawsuit. That's the only way we found out about it. They've been banding around among people in media. They're not going to tell the American people, and it takes a lawsuit by a state attorney general to let us find out about it. Wow. What about some election stuff? Did you hear the big news coming out of Arizona overnight? Libertarian candidate out there. He drops out of the race. The Libertarian did. Now, what does that mean? Well, the Republican candidate, Blake Masters, he's running against the incumbent, Mark Kelly. Remember the astronaut, Gabby Gifford's husband? Mark Kelly, one of them wants to represent Arizona in the Senate. Well, the Republican, it's considered to be probably the Republican, is going to have a major boost to their campaign after being endorsed by the Libertarian challenger. Mark Victor, a 53-year-old attorney and Libertarian Party nominee, he announced yesterday he's dropping out of the race and would support Masters' bid to unseat Kelly who won a special election to the Senate back in 2020 and is now running for a full term. Victor spoke with Masters over the phone Monday, that's according to the New York Times, and had offered to speak with Kelly. After that discussion, I believe it's in the best interest of freedom and peace to withdraw my candidacy and enthusiastically support, drumroll please, Blake Masters for United States Senate. Victor released that statement in the New York Times. He added that his decisions based on Masters being supportive of the live, live and let live global peace movement, a nonprofit organization that Victor founded. So Victor's support, what does it mean? Masters will likely benefit from libertarian votes in the general election, which is going to be held next Tuesday. A poll conducted by Phillips Academy of 1,000 likely voters show Victor earning support from 2% of people that responded, which, if added to Masters' total, would put him in the lead. So Victor's decision to support Masters comes despite the support he received from major Democrat donors for his campaign. In May, Democrat donor and investor Ron Conway gave Victor more than forty-five grand in campaign dollars, which accounts for a third of all his fundraising, while he received $5,000 from the Save Democracy PAC nationwide Democrat-backed effort to defeat Republican candidates. In 2020, the Libertarian presidential candidate Joe Jorgensen got 52,000 votes approximately in the state, with the margin between 
major party candidates Donald Trump and Joe Biden being just 10,000 votes. The race between Kelly and Masters, it's considered equally close, with Kelly's lead having shrunk to between one and three points for recent polls aggregated by Real Clear Politics. Kelly's seat has been a prime battleground race in the Republicans' effort to get a majority in the Senate in this year's midterms. Other battleground races have libertarian candidates in the race who are polling at rates equivalent to what Victor has in Arizona. In Georgia, where Republican candidate Herschel Walker is challenging incumbent Senator Raphael Warnock, the libertarian candidate Chase Oliver is polling at 2%. Over 895,000 votes have already been cast in Arizona during early voting. Almost a million. Now, why the heck didn't this guy roll away before a million voters in Arizona had already voted? It's interesting. But anyway, it looks like Blake Masters got a little uh, pickup there. Have you heard about what's going on up in Wisconsin? Wisconsin. Mandela Barnes. He's a African-American activist. I don't know any other way to describe him. Uh, and he's running against Ron Johnson, the incumbent senator there. Comes out in the open overnight that Mandela Barnes, he's a Democrat, he showed up on Russian state television several times and he was interviewed alongside a prominent white nationalist. Now, if you're running for U.S. Senate and you're African-American, it's not a good thing to do that. Barnes sat down for at least six interviews with RT, the Kremlin-funded network, formerly known as Russia Today, while he was serving as a state representative back in 2015 and 2016. Now, this is coming from the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. RT, Russian Today, was forced to register in 2017 as a foreign agent in the U.S. under Department of Justice guidelines. The State Department said the network provides disinformation and propaganda support for the Kremlin's foreign policy objectives. So what does that mean? That means their content's not supposed to show up on Twitter. But I bet you if you look for it, you'll find it somewhere. Why? Because they're left-leaning. The appearances by Barnes could fuel some perceptions that his views politically are out of touch with mainstream voters in Wisconsin. In one 2016 interview, it was about police violence in the Black Lives Matter, the outlet spoke to Barnes alongside Richard Spencer, one of the best-known white nationalists in the United States. That's interesting. Spencer advocated for a white ethno-state. Boy, they come up with some names, don't they? And peaceful ethnic cleansing was described, Spencer was in 2013, as the symbol of a new generation of intellectual white supremacists. And that definition came by the Anti-Defamation League. During that interview, Barnes described violent anti-police protest as a, quote, human reaction when you feel that your rights have been infringed upon, 
when you feel your safety could be in jeopardy for a simple traffic stop or any run-in with the law, this is how it boils over. Spencer argued that the Black Lives Matter movement was a black identity movement that was using police violence, as you could say, an excuse, as a spark, as a way of expressing their bigger agenda. In another interview in 2016, after five police officers were killed during that anti-cop ambush in Dallas, Barnes criticized law enforcement officers for over-exercising their badges. His opponent, Republican Senator Ron Johnson, slammed Barnes for appearing on the Russian TV network, trashing American law enforcement on Russian state TV, and allowing himself to be used by Vladimir Putin's propagandist. It's about as bad as it gets. Alex Zimmerman, communications director for the Johnson campaign, told the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, Lieutenant Governor Barnes knew he was being used as a puppet for a foreign dictator in a Russian disinformation scheme. He should apologize to law enforcement in Wisconsin and also anywhere and everywhere else in America. Mandela Barnes isn't fit to represent anyone in the United States Senate. When I, when I read this story... It just popped up in my head. It makes me wonder, how many more such circumstances do we not hear about? I mean, we're talking about a lot of people running for office. Tuesday, 435 members of the House of Representatives are running. And then almost half the Senate. So you think about that. There are 500 people that are in elections. I'm talking about federal elections. How many of those people that are running are things, serious things, not even known about by people that are voting? I mean, you think of Mandela Barnes, he's a lieutenant governor. You would think that everybody knew everything about him. None of this came out until the last 72 hours. How much is unknown about your favorite candidate? Hmm. Well, Hillary is in the news. Did I make you just throw up a little bit in your mouth? (laughs) Maybe you were eating that last bite of scrambled eggs and I messed up your morning. I apologize for that. You know, I, I don't understand why Hillary stays in the political picture. I just don't get it. I think by now... An everyday normal American would understand. The American people just don't want her to run for federal office. She's been there. And they don't like what she did. They don't like her policies. They don't like her politics. And to be quite honest with you, I don't think they like her. But she's back in the fray. And she's got to put her two cents in. Every day, about every issue. And most of the times... Her two cents don't even add up to four. She's up next at TNN Live. Speaking the truth, the left doesn't want you to hear. TNN, the Truth News Network. When it comes to online meetings, you're crushing it. But if you want to crush something that's a little more fun, why not play Best Fiends, the five-star rated puzzle game? 
Best Fiends is loaded with challenging puzzles that are so much fun, and you're never accidentally on mute. So take a stress break with the cutest characters on the planet and download Best Fiends for free from the App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R. Best Fiends. Play Best Fiends. Download free. You love chocolate. Mmm, chocolate. You love M&Ms. Oh, yes. But your tastes have grown up, and you're just not wild about super sweet milk chocolate, so you've been avoiding M&Ms. Yeah. Well, fear no more. Huh? M&M's dark chocolate to the rescue. My heroes. M&M's dark chocolate candies, available wherever fine candies are sold. Again, Hillary. Hillary, Hillary, to make matters worse, yesterday, what I'm going to tell you about came from a trip to MSNBC by Hillary, and she appeared on the Joy Reid one-on-one, Joy Reid and Hillary Clinton, OMG. I mean, to be quite honest with you, we could put both of those heads together and make a good rock pile, and I'm being kind. These are two of the nastiest, meanest women in politics and media, Joy Reid and Hillary Clinton. My two cents, right? Well, Hillary yesterday on the readout said that the Republicans' crazy, violent hate rhetoric was a threat to the heart of our democracy. You know what? I just had this thought. We hear Hillary saying that. Well, let me tell you what else she said. She said, there's always been a streak of violence, of racism, misogyny, anti-Semitism, as you said. But I think what we're seeing today, and it has certainly been thrown into very high relief by the horrific attack on Paul Pelosi, is not just an aberration where one or two people or a small group engage in that kind of violent rhetoric and urge people to take action against political figures like her, like me, like others, we're seeing a whole political party. Think about what you just heard that she said. Do you see or hear about members of the Republican Party or even libertarians? Do you hear or see anything about them Um, walking the streets of any big city, sneaking up behind people and just clubbing them in the head, knocking them down to the street and giving them concussions. Do you hear about that? Do you hear about Republicans going into subway stations and pushing people in front of moving trains or shooting people or stabbing people? Do you hear about that? I don't hear about it. And there may be stories out there. However, I'll tell you, if there are, I would expect people like Joy Reid and Hillary Clinton to be in front of television cameras giving us names and even home phone numbers of those perpetrators. I don't hear about that. And oh, by the way, that attack on Paul Pelosi, at the very beginning of this, 
people just on the left, they just jumped out saying, this guy, he was a Republican. He was a Republican. He lived in a van. And whenever I hear somebody say that, <laughs> I always think of Chris, Chris Farley, the character that he played on Saturday Night Live, the, the um, spokesman, the guy that stood up in front. He was a, uh, uh, a speaker that would tell you how to live your life and put positive thoughts in your head. And he was telling these kids that he was trying to teach them a positive message. He kept saying over and over again, don't be like me, end up like me. I live in a van down by the river. <laughs> this would, in that kind of van, he lives in, I guess, in, uh, a cheap old, real old RV. But he's got a huge Black Lives Matter banner on it. And he's got other signs and paraphernalia that indicate he is not a Republican, but the left don't want to tell you those things. That horrific attack on Paul Pelosi, Hillary said, is not just an aberration where one or two people or a small group engage in that kind of violent rhetoric and urge people to take action against political figures like her, like me, like others. We're seeing a whole political party. So using her definition of one or two little single incidents to paint an entire political party as horrible, violent. How do you think Hillary should label uh, what happened in Minneapolis when George Floyd was murdered in the aftermath? What should be labeled there? The people that were involved in that, that burned and destroyed eliminated the futures of a bunch of even African-American people that had saved up all their money and started a new business. People that were working in stores and restaurants all over that 10-city block in Minneapolis that's gone. It's totally obliterated. And it was done at the hands of Republicans? Not at all. It was done by Black Lives Matter and groups that identified with them, and they destroyed hundreds of millions of dollars of property. And oh, by the way, in the middle of it, they looted. And what about that protest on the Miracle Mile that happened in Chicago? They broke into all kinds of, if you've been there, I've been on that part of uh, the streets in Chicago down by the lake, all the stores there, I mean, big stores and stores that are very upscale, even Rolex and other high-end jewelry stores and clothing stores. I'll never forget this, and you'll probably get, I've mentioned it two or three times before, but I'm a Rolex guy. I love Rolexes. I've had several Rolexes. There was a picture of an African-American young man, and I mentioned the color just to mention the color and tell you. I'm not saying or inferring that African-American men are evil. They're not. This one was. He was stepping out of a broken window in the front of a Rolex store, and he had two boxes, one under each arm, but they were the blue boxes. And the blue Rolex boxes contain 
Rolex presidents is what they're called, 18 karat gold, solid gold watch and bracelet. Each one of those at retail is $45,000 now. Black Lives Matter rally, Black Lives Matter protest. Clinton's talking about the evil Republicans. She continued in her conversation with Joy Reid and said the level of just plain crazy, violent, hate rhetoric coming out of Republicans. You played something from the candidate, the Republican candidate for governor in Arizona, talking about Carrie Lake. I want viewers, I want voters to stop and ask themselves, would we trust somebody who is stirring up these violent feelings, who is pointing fingers, scapegoating, making a joke about a violent attack on Paul Pelosi? And Hillary wasn't done. What we have with the rhetoric coming from the Republican candidates, she said, from their party right now is so disturbing. I didn't see a big outpouring on the part of elected officials to stand with Nancy Pelosi the way she has stood with Republicans as well as Democrats in times of real terror, like on January 6th. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. And so ask yourselves, Hillary said, please. Why would you entrust power to people who are either themselves unable to see how terrible it is that someone would attack, be attacked in their home or don't really care because they think it will somehow get them votes that will get them elected? This is a real threat to the heart of our democracy. What she said, top to bottom, is nothing more than worn out, dried up, Democrat Party, anti-white Americans. That's all it is. And what have I told you for years here at TNN Live and Truth News Network? Anytime, every time a Democrat starts blathering in public about the horrors of their opposition and how horrible their opposition are individually and collectively, Anytime you hear that happen, you can bet they are trying to deflect attention to their own house. And don't look at me, look at this. I wouldn't do anything like they're doing because I'm better than they are. They're killing people, literally. They're destroying lives, Literally, they're destroying companies, literally. I mean, not figuratively, literally, burning down people. Rochester, New York, Black Lives Matter, people walking down a street, walk into a restaurant, and while people are sitting at tables eating, they walk by these tables and grab the food. They throw chairs from the tables down on the floor, scaring people to death. I haven't ever heard or seen any Republican protest and Republicans doing any of that kind of thing. But do you, have you ever heard Hillary talk about BLM riots, say anything negative about any of that? No, you never have and never will. Why? Because that doesn't fit the political narrative of the day, which is everybody that's not me is evil. And they don't deserve 
to even breathe because they're evil. And we have to destroy them and get them out of our lives. So in the middle of all of this, you heard Hillary. Why would she say such things? Part of the reason is she's a quote-unquote election expert. How is she an expert on anything to do with the election? Let me tell you how. She can tell you how to lose one. She's lost quite a few, hasn't she? <laughs> I guess she's got a lot of practice. But there's something, some common thread among these Democrat candidates. I got to be honest with you. They're watching all their hopes be dashed every day. The polls are showing just how dissatisfied the American people are with what Democrats are doing in office. The Biden administration is failing left and right. Wow. I did not know the, uh, the old phone sound wasn't down. Please forgive me there. My phone sits over here so I can see if somebody's calling a different number when they call in the TNN Live. Nevertheless, they're looking and seeing and they're wanting to deflect attention from the realities of what's going on in this election cycle. And what's going on is Democrats look like they're going to be beat. Kennedy on Fox Business. I really like her a lot. And she had, early, early this morning, she had some stuff to say that I really liked about how Democrats are going crazy. And she's talking about how it's going to look like after the 2022 midterm election results are tallied and the Democrats are seeing and thinking about that and they're imploding. The midterms. We are now one week away from election day. Brand new Fox polls showing Republicans widening the gap. But according to one liberal news anchor, the polls showing a red wave are just one big GOP conspiracy theory. So now Democrats are the ones screaming about fake news. According to our new Fox Power ranking, Republicans will likely win 236 seats in the House. That's a few more than just last week. Democrats now projected to win, oh, less than 200. That's got to hurt. Control of the Senate remains unchanged. Lots of toss-ups. Fox News still predicting the elephants could take control of 49 seats. The donkeys, 47. Full races, still toss-ups. Even Nate Silver's nonpartisan 538.com shows the Senate a 50-50 dead heat, just as it is now. And all he uses, math and statistics. Racist. MSNBC's Joy Reid still sees something nefarious afoot. She claims none of the polls showing Republican gains are real. They're all phony baloney. Yum, yum, yum. Take them to a deli. Uh, the GOP, according to Joy, and their pollsters are in cahoots to influence the election. Watch. If you get past those headlines and dig a little deeper, you uncover an insidious and seemingly intentional campaign by Republican-backed polling firms to flood the zone and tip the balance of polling averages in favor of their candidates to create a narrative that Republicans are surging and that a red wave is imminent and inevitable. Joy, when you are giving Grover mouth love, 
remember to wipe that smile off your face when you are spreading lies. If you go to the store and you can't find any tinfoil, it's because Joy bought it all for her hat. Her claims are obviously pretty ridiculous. Pollsters are, by and large, known for their impartiality. It's literally their business to try to get at the truth and give an accurate picture. Accusations to the contrary can destroy a pollster's reputation and career. So are people like Joy Reid just planning to deny the results if Democrats don't win? Oh, that's the big steal. It's coming up in 2022. That's right. Let's get into it with tonight's party panel. We've got New York Post columnist and the Spectator contributor. We love to have her. And she is back, Carol Markowitz. And we've got the host of the Aggressive Progressive podcast, former aide to Senator Hot Mike Chuck it is Christopher Hahn who runs on and on and on. He is a runner for real. And director of the Libertarian Institute, editorial director of antiwar.com. He loves saying anti-war things, and we love having him on the air. Scott Horton, also back. Welcome, everyone. Uh, so let's discuss this a little bit, Carol. Um, the Republicans just keep gaining the advantage, at least in the Fox News power rankings. And I know the people, they yeah. sit on my floor. These are, these are honest people who do the Lord's work and, and really try and get at the truth. They are nonpartisan. They are they, truly impartial and they work very hard. Are they lying and are they part of a grander conspiracy? <laughs> and look, it, nobody's going to have a better night than Joy Reid if they're wrong, right? So why would they lie to her? It makes no sense at all. And look, the Democrats deserve to lose everything. Forget red wave. I'm rooting for a red tsunami. I want people in deep blue states to wake up on Wednesday and feel like they've moved to Alabama. Their atrocious behavior throughout the pandemic is enough for reason for me to have Democrats lose on every level in every state. The way they closed schools and pretended it would be fine. The way we weren't allowed to question any of the nonsense policies that made no sense. The way they still allow Randy Weingarten to campaign with them. All of it. They deserve to lose. I hope they do. And it has nothing to do with what the pollsters are saying. It's going to happen. Yeah, I mean, it's not about metrics and, and optics. It's about facts, Chris. And, and the facts for this election cycle are about the economy and inflation and crime. So, you know, stop trying to talk people out of that by saying they're just being lied to. People are smart enough. We have been through enough over the last three years that, you know, we can assess BS pretty quickly. So why is Joy Reid selling this raft of garbage? You know, I'm not sure how Carol really feels about Democrats and their policies after that last bit. I'll but tell you yes. more. She walked, walked <laughs> she moved to Florida, she left. <laughs> here's, here's, here's the thing about polls. I don't think the polls are wrong. Uh, I'm not seeing a red wave. I'm seeing a red ripple. ripple. I do think they're going to win the House. I've been saying that for about a year now. But I am very dubious on their chances in the Senate for a variety of reasons. And I think the polling points to that, that the American public and the people in these swing states are very skeptical of the GOP candidates that they have to choose for, particularly in Georgia, in Pennsylvania, and other parts of the country. Mm. I don't expect... Yeah the Republicans to wake up on the day after the election and be extremely happy with, they, with what the results they had. This should have been a great year for them. It turned out to be not as great a year. So look, they're still going to have wins. They're still going to make gains, but not what they should have in this environment. Yeah, that's that's what Penn State said to Ohio State sure. last weekend. They're like, yeah, we still scored a bunch of touchdowns. You guys kind of suck the whole game. Doesn't matter. It's the wave If there's a wave if they lose the Senate, is it a wave if they don't take the Senate? I don't think so. I think it's a disappointment well, no, okay. because of the radicalization of the right. 
All right. Yes, it's it's only the right who's radical. Joy <laughs> Reid espousing a pretty radical position from the left. So I think radicalism at this point knows no bounds. Um, so Scott, what happens if? Well, I didn't see her storm oh, in the okay, Capitol. Chris, when I say someone else's name, <laughs> that means I'm going to talk to them. Yes. You've been on cable news for years. You know how this works. You're now eating into Scott's time. He's been a very nice young man tonight. So I'm going to talk to him. Sorry, so, Scott. Okay, I very good. That's now <laughs> no we're done problem. talking. Okay, Sorry. very good. No, Scott is he? He's a Texan, so he's he's good. Okay, Scott. So what does it mean for the country if we have a Democrat president, a Republican House, and a Democrat Senate? Uh, well, I hope it means a lot of good House hearings. Um, you know, some kind of investigation, some bit of check and balance. But, um, you know, I agree with Carol. This should be absolutely a wave, and not because of anything good about the Republicans, just that the Democrats absolutely deserve to be punished. And Biden has got to be the worst president since George W. Bush, maybe since Harry Truman. Uh, the danger that he has put the United States in, in Asia and in Europe right now, um, threatening a war with Iran, for that matter, uh, he is just absolutely reckless. And um, on top of that, of course, the inflation, all the woke craziness. And mm. then, as Carol was saying, the Democrats must be held accountable for all of the tyranny of the yeah. lockdowns. They think they're going to get away with it. And they absolutely should be crushed. But then i got to concede to Chris here that he makes a point that the Republicans are nobody to believe in. You know, they're all a bunch of Mitch McConnells. They're essentially George W. Bush's party still. And there needs to be a real fight between the America Firsters and the Country Club Republicans mm. for the control of that party. Because I've never as long been as it's invited just Mitch McConnell, might as well be John McCain. I wish, I wish <laughs> Dan Quayle was the head of the party and he could come to my party anytime. Did you get the end of that? It's all about calling somebody and putting somebody in a specific category. It's like they have the right. They were given the right by some, oh, I don't know who, but somebody that has the, the overarching right to use identity politics to determine the righteousness or the lack of honor or the lack of being a nice person. Come on now. I mean, is that what we're going to do when we elect those who govern for us that have control of a couple of trillion of our tax dollars every year? Are we just going to pick them because we think they're nicer than the other guy? What about all this novel idea of telling us when you're campaigning, if you elect me, here's what I'm going to do. And then when we elect you, why don't you just do what you told us you're going to do? Kind of like what happened when, oh, I don't know, we elected Donald Trump because he said some nice things and he did every one of them that he could possibly do. And the only ones he didn't do were the ones that Congress wouldn't agree with and let him do it. I'd like to have, if it's not Donald Trump, I'd like to have at least somebody that's going to do what they tell us they're going to do. And that was why we elected them. Wow, what a novel idea. Computer, execute 12.4p operation. Optimizing algorithm. Running encryption packet alpha. Night, night. Oh, I don't feel so good. What? What is it, computer? Is it hot in here? It feels hot in here? 
I feel a little clammy. I should lie down or something. A computer with a virus? Surprising. What's not surprising? How much you could save by switching to GEICO. Those oysters Rockefeller were a mistake. GEICO. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. See the bold new expression of sporty style. Hear the amazing quietness of a truly luxurious cabin. Feel the exceptional horsepower and amazing torque. And experience greater acceleration than ever before. Behold, the most powerful sedan in its class. The new Toyota Camry. Real power, absolute performance. Discover the new Camry at toyota.com.my. In every age, a technology is created that upends the foundations of society. The wheel, the printing press, the internet. Now, in a world sliding into financial chaos, a new technology is changing the way monetary systems work around the world. It is called Bitcoin. Bitcoin is a new form of money, controlled not by banks, governments, or corporations, but through mutual commerce between free individuals. To learn more, visit WeUseCoins.com. Drinking water is essential to your health. That's why you need to drink plenty of water to keep you hydrated throughout the day. Unlike power drinks or soft drinks, water is truly the only drink that can quench your thirst. It's an easy, refreshing way to keep your body healthy and strong. Freshen up today with a brisk, cool bottle of water. Election cycles come and go. White House reporters come and go. The truth is a diamond because it's forever. TNN, the Truth News Network. Your jeweler today is Dan Newman. I've been called a lot of things in my life, but a jeweler? Never before. One more little perspective on this evil Republican thing. The view. Oh my gosh, The View. Co-hosts, they denied arguments yesterday that political violence happens on both sides of the political aisle. That's what was said, but they weren't going to have that. The panel discussed that Friday morning attack on Paul Pelosi, the alleged assailant named David DePap, DePape, DePappy, whatever you want to call him, He's been charged with attempted kidnapping and assaulting a U.S. official's immediate family member. Co-host Sonny Hostin, she read a Washington Post University of Maryland poll released in January, and the poll said 40% of Republicans and 23% of Democrats said that violent actions could sometimes be justified. She and her co-host, Joy Behar, then claim political violence is a Republican, not a Democratic issue. There's no both sides here. That was Behar. And a lot of them like to say it, including Republican Texas Senator Ted Cruz when he was on this show. And Behar said, I'd like to remind everybody that it was the Democrats, not the Democrats, who stormed the government that day, January 6th, and tried to kill the Vice President Mike Pence. Man, if they tried to kill Mike Pence or anybody, they should have brought guns. If I was going to storm the U.S. Capitol and try to kill anybody, I'd bring a gun. There was somebody that was shot and killed that day, but it wasn't by a Republican. 
And it wasn't by one of the people that were trying to and unfortunately went into the Capitol. It was by a Capitol police that shot a woman from San Diego that was there unarmed. She wasn't hurting anybody. He shot her from the back and the neck. And when he shot her, he hit an artery and she bled out on the floor. Those evil Republicans. No. She was shot and killed by an African-American Capitol Police person. There was no investigation of him. Think about that. No investigation. He shot and killed somebody, an innocent person. And the coroner in Washington, D.C. found the cause of death, the official cause of death on her birth certificate was homicide. Nothing happened to the cop. He's still on the force. On The View, Behar yesterday falsely claimed crime is going down in the U.S. in an attempt to criticize Republicans for campaigning on the rising crime rate in the U.S. ahead of the midterms. She said, and the Republicans now coming up to the next election, which is next week, by the way, all they do is talk about crime, crime, crime. I looked it up, Behar said. Murders in major cities have fallen by 4% so far in 2022 compared with the same period a year ago. So the crime is not on the rise. It's actually going down under Joe Biden. Uh, Joy, calm down. I don't know what, 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 where you read what you read, but the overall crime rate in major U.S. cities is up this year in comparison to last year. In New York City, the overall rate jumped by 15% in September compared to the same month in 2021. While the murder rate in the city went down by 23%, the rates of burglary, grand larceny, and grand larceny auto all individually spiked by nearly a quarter. For those of you that don't know that, a quarter is 25%. The overall shootings in Philly have risen by 3%. The city has a year-to-date total of 445 homicide victims. That's through October 31st. That's according to the police department. The total number of violent crime cases surged by 7% in the city this year. So back to the view. Co-host Alyssa Farah Griffin pointed to the 2017 congressional baseball shooting, targeted House Republican whip Steve Scalise, and praised Democrats for condemning the incident. She then claimed people on the right are not calling out political violence. Some of this is on your hands, co-host Whoopi Goldberg said. You like to call people out. Well, I'm calling you all out. Stop with the that side is not good because This is what it puts out there. It tells people that you think it's okay to do this. Stop doing it. Oh, whoopee. Her saying that just made me get, I felt warm all over. (laughs) Prominent Republicans, including Ted Cruz, senator from Texas, and Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell, immediately condemned the attack on Pelosi. Earlier in 2022, MSNBC covered the assassination attempt on Associate Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh by 26-year-old Nicholas Roski for no more than 15 minutes. The New York Times shared a footnote about the attempt on the outlet's front page, directing readers to a brief article further 
in the newspaper. In other words, don't try to demean Republicans for anything to do with violence. I will, I will just tell you point blank. In most cases, those that commit violent acts, they're not political at all. They're not party-affiliated. What they are is criminals, and they're out there doing what criminals do, breaking the law and doing it in greater ways, in new ways, and to levels never before seen, at least in my lifetime. Those are facts, and Democrats just got to live with it. Oh, by the way, your butt's getting beat almost in every race in federal elections. And it's not going to be good if the counting of votes is accurate. I guess you heard about the New York governor's race. Lee Zeldin, now a congressman, he's going to leave office. It looks like he will because he's going to be elected governor of New York. Zeldin currently has the support of 48.4% of people in a recent poll compared to Hockel's 47.6%. That's a lead of almost one point, according to the poll by Trafalgar Group. Per Real Clear Politics, this is the first major poll that has shown a lead for Zeldin. He lives in Long Island, representing New York's first congressional district. His advantage, considered a statistical tie but sufficient to win him the race, comes as Hockel's polling lead has declined over the summer, She was up 19 points over Zeldin in August. New York is known to be a heavily Democrat state with a Cook partisan voting index score of D plus 10 and whose state assembly has been in Democrat control since 1975. Think about that. That's a long time. That's 70, what is it? 75. Okay, 30 years is... 05, 40 years would be 15. So it would be 47 years. That's a long time. The race between Zeldin and Hockel is focused largely on crime and affordability for New Yorkers, New York City in particular. They've had a significant increase in crime over the last year. The latest NYBPD statistics showed a 32% increase in robberies, 38.5% increase in grand larcenies, 14% in felony assaults, and 11% increase in rapes. Zeldin has said that Hockel's soft-on-crime, head-in-the-sand approach to coddling criminals is making our streets and subways less safe. Let me just say this. New Yorkers are going to vote. They're going to vote the issues in which they find themselves living. And to be quite honest with you, that's pretty much the way every American votes. I mean, that makes common sense, doesn't it? I mean, that's the way I vote. If somebody in government, they tell me, hey, if you reelect me or if you elect me, here's what I'm going to do. And they're in office already. And they're not doing anything about what they're telling us they're going to do. Why would I believe them? Why would I trust them when they're already in the position and they haven't done it? Why haven't they done it? I just don't understand 
these people that run for office and they want us to elect them and they think we're too stupid to see the facts on which we can base who we're going to vote for. I don't need somebody spending a bunch of money telling me what a good person they are, having spokespersons on these ads that tell us about all of the great things these candidates have done. I'll look at their track record at what they're doing if they're already elected. If they're not, I'll look at their personal life. They may be business owners. They may be corporate people. They may be in some other part of the government. Everybody's got a history. And Americans are smart enough to go find out the history. What we need to do, listen to what I'm going to tell you. We need to stop campaign dollars. We need to cut it off. We need to, as a federal government, the American people, we need to create a process that we put in place for every federal election. And anybody and everybody that qualifies to run for a race, a federal office of any level, they we need to come up with a stair-step dollar amount. And the federal government should pass out for campaigning equal amounts to everybody to campaign. And it's different. It's got to be different for different races. When you have somebody running for a congressional seat, they're only running for one specific congressional district. But when they're running for, let's say, governor, or they're running for lieutenant governor, or some statewide race, they should obviously have more dollars with which they campaign. No outside contributions. In fact, I would not even let the candidates put in their own dollars. If you do, somebody who's got a lot of money is going to be able to overwhelm their opponent's because of the campaign dollars. Doesn't that make sense? Why should big corporations or big PACs, super PACs, and we don't know who constitutes those super PACs. By law, they don't have to reveal their sources. So why would we as American people allow somebody that's got a lot of money, a buttload full of money, and they have this one singular political cause, and there's somebody out there that says, hey, if you give me that money and I'll use it in my campaign, I'll vote your way on that big idea, and I'll help if you get me elected. I'll help make sure that that happens. You don't think that happens? Oh, my gosh. The love of money is the root of all evil, the Bible says. Money makes the world go around. You've heard that your whole life. Money's not everything, my mother said, but it makes everything a lot nicer. A woman of great reason she was. This race in New York, it illustrates something to me. Americans are getting more and more accustomed to They're normalizing the idea, hey, instead of just voting straight party, if I'm a registered Democrat, I'm going to vote for every Democrat candidate every time, even those that I haven't got a clue who they are, what they believe in, what they've done. I'm just going to listen to what they say, and if it sounds good to me, I'm going to vote for them. We're getting away from that. Finally, people are voting based upon the travesties going on in their lives. I got to be honest with you. 
I'm a, I'm a person where when I vote for somebody and they don't do the job that they promised me they were going to do, not only do I get mad at them, I get mad at me because I didn't find out they were liars before I voted for them. Can you come up with any other thought or any other idea? I can't do it. Somebody that's running for office in this cycle I really, really like is Arizona's Carrie Lake. She's in the governor's race out there. Of course, it's a race that it doesn't directly impact probably any of you listening today. We have some people in Arizona, but I don't know if they're listening today. Nevertheless, she's running for governor. Now, that's not a national race, but it's an important state, and it's an important race. So she's running against a Democrat governor that is there already. Katie Hobbs is the governor of Arizona. Now, the Phillips Academy poll published yesterday shows that 53% of likely voters are now backing Carrie Lake. That gives her an 11-point lead over the incumbent governor, Governor Hobbs. She has 42%. Lake is a former Fox 10 Phoenix anchor, and if you listen to her, she's really good at speaking in terms and in Uh, in a manner that you know she's a professional talker. She leads among voters not affiliated with the two major parties, independents, 52 to 42. Of Latinos that responded, 56% back Lake, as opposed to just 42% who say they're going to vote for the Democrat governor. The bowl bears a striking similarity to another from last week, that was conducted by Insider Advantage and sponsored by her former TV station, Carrie Lake's former TV station, Fox 10 in Phoenix. Of likely voter respondents in that one, 54% backed late, 43% backed the incumbent, Governor Hobbs. Lake has led in seven of the eight last polls posted by 538. The lone poll that does not show her in the driver's seat has her tied with the governor, who has faced scrutiny for her refusal to even debate. That's something that uh, I just don't understand. I think we need to make debates for all candidates mandatory in every federal race, in every local and state race. I think the people who are the voters, they need to hear directly from the mouths of those running what they're going to do, what they believe in, before People are expected to elect them. Doesn't that make sense to you? And there's a rash of Democrats. I don't know of any Republicans, but a mass, uh, just a mass number of Democrats who are not debating their Republican opponents. And I think the only reason one can justify that is they feel like participating in a debate is going to show everything that is bad in their political party. It doesn't matter if it's a a state county or parish in Louisiana, a city, a town, a governor at the state level, a state legislator. None of it matters if they feel like it's going to be exposing their downfalls to their voters. They don't want to, they don't want to debate, but it's certainly not good for the voters who need to know 
what people think. There's another race going on up in New Hampshire, an important one in the Senate. Former General Don Bolduc, he has now taken the lead in that race. The general is a Republican. Democrat Hassan in New Hampshire has been leading, but now the general has taken the lead. 48% of voters selected the general, while Hassan, Hassan, let's call her Hassan, that's the way I've heard people call her, Maggie Hassan, Democrat in New Hampshire. Hassan garnered 47%, well below the coveted 50% threshold for an incumbent. 3% are still unsure. The poll surveyed 1,541 New Hampshire likely voters, and it was held over the three-day period, 28, 29, and 30 October, with 2.5% margin of error. Campaign spokeswoman Kate Constantini said the result of the poll show that the general's campaign's grassroots initiatives are producing results. This result is not surprising since General Bolduck has spent this entire campaign talking directly with New Hampshire voters about the important issues facing our country. Momentum is hard to get and even harder to stop, and we are taking nothing for granted this last week of the campaign. That's coming from his campaign manager. Now, there's something very significant in this race. And before we go to break, I want to point this out. The minority leader in the U.S. Senate, Mitch McConnell, he is the de facto head of the Republican Party as far as being a legislator head of it. Therefore, in the Senate, he kind of, no, he doesn't kind of, he rules all of the money that comes in to the Republican Senator Campaign Committee. And he pretty much has unilateral authority of deciding where those dollars go in campaigns for whoever around the country in important races like this one. McConnell pulled money. The Senate campaign committee was, they were supporting the campaign of General Don Bolduck against Maggie Hassan in New Hampshire And McConnell pulled that money out and put it somewhere else. He's been asked over and over again why he did it. Mitch McConnell won't answer. So what's happening? Golduck, Bolduck is out there raising money, campaign dollars on his own, and obviously it is working well. He's getting enough face time in front of uh, the voters of New Hampshire to point out the bad stuff about Maggie Hassan, who's the incumbent, and I'm not even sure exactly what stuff she's been involved in other than being a U.S. senator, which means she votes on all of those issues that uh, are Biden issues that turned into spending hundreds of billions, even trillions of U.S. taxpayer dollars needlessly in many ways and for private interest. We're watching that very closely. But I mean, it looks like Republicans have a large majority in this race, a large majority of the races that are being run. It looks like Republicans have a good chance of a red wave, and as some are saying, not a red wave, but a tsunami. And I'll preface that. It's kind of like a footnote every time I talk about elections and the results. If 
the votes are counted legally and properly. I think there will be a red tsunami next week. Long live the courageous. The tenacious. The ones who push forward and give back. Long live the greater good. The helping hand. Those who fall and get back up. And long live the truck with the strength to overcome. The will to outwork. And the commitment to outlast them all. Ram. Proven to last. Little Caesar's Thin Crust Pizza is so loaded with cheese and pepperoni you can't even see the crust. And if you ever want to see it again, listen very carefully. Bring $6.49 in unmarked bills or marked bills or coins or just a credit or debit card to Little Caesar's. Come alone and bring your friends or family. Bring everyone. Get a Little Caesar's Large Thin Crust Pizza with extra cheese and the most pepperoni, all at the nation's best price of just $6.49. Pizza, pizza. Top four national pizza chains. Extra most bestest thin crust pepperoni pizza versus large round one topping thin crust pepperoni pizza. Everyday standard menu prices at participating locations plus tax. Duncan is putting a whole new spin on pumpkin at Duncan with our new pumpkin cream cold brew. Smooth, bold, cold brew topped with velvety pumpkin cream cold foam made with cinnamon and nutmeg spices. And there's more pumpkin for you to love, like the delicious fall classic, our pumpkin spice signature latte. Rich espresso topped with whipped cream, caramel drizzle, and cinnamon sugar. That's how we pumpkin at Duncan. Sip into the fall season with the new pumpkin cream cold brew or pumpkin spice signature latte. America runs on Duncan. Price of participation may vary. Limited time offer. Exclusions apply. Well, that was a different sounding song. Norman Greenbaum, Spirit in the Sky. You remember that song? 70s had some really good music, but had some strange music, that song. And Norman, old Norman, happened to be a pair. Before we went to that last break, we were talking about the thoughts coming from the polls. What do the polls say in these races? And it's almost universal. They're saying, hey, Republicans, you got a great chance to pick up the House, and now it looks like a really good chance to also pick up the Senate. Newt Gingrich, former Speaker of the House from Georgia, he did a lot of great things when he served in both of the Bill Clinton terms. In fact, in the second Bill Clinton term, uh, Newt Gingrich and his contract on America, he was able to, as well the with the other Republicans in the House, he was able to get across the table from Democrat Governor, uh, excuse me, Democrat President Bill Clinton and actually get some good things done. Clinton almost lost that re-election bid and he, he got the message. Voters wanted change. They wanted economic change. And uh, for the first time in many, many years, the U.S. government had a balanced budget three years in a row under the guidance of Newt Gingrich. So Gingrich, I would call an expert. 
And so last night, this expert was asked about his thoughts about what's going to happen next Tuesday. No, look, I mean, first of all, your key point is everybody who's watching has to go vote and they have to get their friends, their relatives, everyone they know to go vote. If that happens, if we get that kind of a turnout, uh, we're going to win a historic election, maybe the biggest Republican victory since 1920, over 100 years ago. Uh, but that's going to happen only if the American people turn up and vote. Now, all the indicators in the last few days are that, in fact, I mean, if you looked at the recent Gallup poll material, for example, where people are just totally disgusted with Biden and with the Democrats who feel deeply that the country's on the wrong track. Uh, they, Gallup said uh, they had the worst data for an off-year election since they began taking that kind of a survey uh, in terms of the incumbent Democratic Party. But I think your point's exactly right. Everybody has to turn out and vote. If they do, I think we're going to see a remarkable repudiation of a set of policies that are, frankly, a disaster. I mean, it, I, I could not have dreamed, when you and I talked about this two years ago, I could not have dreamed how bad they'd be. I couldn't dream how dumb they would be. And I couldn't have dreamed how radical and how weird they would be. All those things have come home. Uh, and now I think uh, it's all going to cave in. And the reason you're seeing people like Obama be so angry is... They don't have any facts on their side. All they've got left is raw emotion because on every single major issue, they're now losing. Uh, and I think as that sinks in over the next seven days, it's just going to lead to a tsunami of historic proportions. So I did make a prediction at the beginning of this election year, and I think I've been proven right, that Democrats will run on three things. One, January 6th, and they hate Donald Trump. Okay, that has fizzled out. Then they would run on the Dobbs decision. Uh, that seems to have now backfired on them because most of these radical candidates uh, we have discovered support no restrictions on abortion and would allow women to have an abortion, oh, 10 minutes uh, before they're due to deliver a baby, which would be infanticide. Uh, the next thing is the old historical playbook, which is Republicans are racist, sexist, homophobic, xenophobic, etc. And by the way, they want to cut you Social Security, Medicare and veterans benefits, none of which is true. That seems to be the last ditch effort. And that's their final message in the in the last week of the campaign. Will that work? Well, look, I mean, <laughs> First of all, the objective reality is people go to the grocery store. You can't run enough ads for Democrats to, to convince people they're not paying a lot more money. They go to the gas station. Uh, you can't pay for enough ads to convince them they aren't paying a lot more money. In the Northeast, one of the reasons Baldock is going to win is that we have a diesel fuel shortage, which relates directly to a heating oil shortage. The prices are going to be out of sight. People are going to be furious. Uh, I have somebody who works with me uh, who says that, that Alan Silken, is, he said his wife's mad every Sunday. She goes to the grocery store. By the time she gets home, the prices are so high, she's just furious. Uh, I think these things are about real life. And then you go home, you turn on the evening news, you find out how many muggings, how many killings, how many rapes. You look at this weekend in Chicago. 
Uh, how can you possibly be comfortable? And finally, you have all these illegal immigrants, one of whom, it turns out, attacked Paul Pelosi. I mean, let's be clear about this. The national media didn't want to start with that headline. But the truth is, it was an illegal immigrant who should not have been here who attacked Paul Pelosi. Now, in Chris a sanctuary and I have Paul in our prayers. We certainly hope he recovers. In a, in a sanctuary city, I, by which, the way, I, by the I way, there were nine assaults that night. I want Paul night. Pelosi to be safe. But I want every American to be safe. And defund, dismantle, no bail has created more crime, more murder, more violent crimes than we have seen in decades. And the facts and the evidence speak for itself. Well, that's right. And the the Pew poll people just reported that 82 percent of African-Americans list crime as their biggest issue. Now, I don't know whether that's going to mean they break for Republicans because the Republicans are pro-police and anti-criminal or they stick with the Democrats out of old loyalty. But you start getting numbers like that. One of the great advantages that Dr. Oz has is that in Philadelphia, 70 percent of the voters say that crime is their biggest issue. And, of course, Fetterman is pro-criminal, anti-police, wanted to release murderers. Uh, and all these things are coming together. And frankly, in terms of this racist, xenophobic stuff... How do you attack, for example, Herschel Walker for not being sensitive about race? I mean, it's absurd. And Kevin McCarthy has done a brilliant job on the House side. They have more minority candidates, more women candidates than ever and more veteran candidates than ever in history. And it's pretty hard to describe this new Republican Party as uh, the way the Democrats would like to describe it. The Democrats are becoming a very narrow party of graduate school educated radicals. And in the process, they're alienating Latinos, Asian Americans, working class whites. And by the way, among women after Dobbs, there's been a 26 percent shift, 26 points from Democrat to Republican in the last month. Uh, That's an astonishing number. Last question, predictions. Um, One week from tomorrow will be the morning after election night in America. Uh, What will be the net result, in your opinion? You will be happy. (laughs) How about that? Okay, that's a fair Uh, answer. My personal personal, personal guess is um, being conservative, plus two to plus seven in the Senate, Uh, plus 20 to plus 50 in the House, maybe a little more than 50. Most likely House number is plus 44. Wow. Okay. Newt Gingrich, thank you. It's interesting when you get a perspective from someone like Newt Gingrich, who he's been down this road many, many previous times, and he can give us an objective view. But there you had it. He said you'd be happy. He was talking to Sean Hannity, of course. So let me ask you a question. This mess that happened the January 6th, all that on uh, January 6th, 2021, it was a horrible situation. None of those people should have been there. Well, most of the people there were peaceful and were there to just find out what was going to happen regarding the count of the votes, the final counting that was going to happen. And that day it was going to be determined and confirmed that Joe Biden actually won the election. And I know all of the ancillary things that were going on and scheduled to go on. Very few of those things happened, by the way. But in the light of all of that, knowing what came down that day, and then what one person decided to make their, uh, 
their dying place where they would die on this hill. And I'm talking about former, and she's, she's still a United States congresswoman from Wyoming, but her, her, uh, her life as a congresswoman is short-lived because she lost her position in the U.S. Congress. She lost in a primary by more than 35 points. I'm talking, of course, about Liz, Liz Cheney from Wyoming. And it's bad enough that she lost that race, but then she jumps up and she joins that January 6th committee as being one of just two Republicans that were handpicked by Nancy Pelosi to serve on that committee, which is a charade. It's not an objective committee at all. Nobody, none of the two Republicans, were allowed to call a single evidence. None were given the ability to cross-examine any of the witnesses. Neither was able to put any kind of evidence before that committee. It's a sham committee. But it's almost over. I don't even know when or how or who decides when it's over. But obviously, it's going to end at some particular point. And with that comes the life and politics of Liz Cheney. What is Liz Cheney going to do? That's a great question. She lost her bid in the primaries to keep her job. Now she's decided she's going to cross some party lines and she has endorsed Representative Alyssa Slotkin, who's a Democrat from Michigan. Slotkin's in a really tight race against State Senator Tom Barrett, the Republican. She and Cheney, Slotkin and Cheney, worked together on the House Armed Services Committee, and they served together previously in the State Department. They also share similar views on January 6th. And of course, January 6th, Liz Cheney, everything is Trump's fault. Everything is Trump's fault. In a press release yesterday, Cheney called Slotkin an honorable public servant. She explained that they may not agree on everything, but Congress needs somebody like Michigan Democrat who is serious, responsible, and substantive. 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 Why did I say that? The Wyoming Representative Cheney also announced her appearance at a Slotkin campaign event on November 1. Some fellow GOP members have said Cheney's decision to endorse a Democrat is signed she's working against her party. According to Fox News, Life, Liberty, and Levin host Mark Levin called her a surreptitious Democrat. He compared her to Confederate President Jefferson Davis for her attempts to create a breakaway group of Republicans who share her views. Meanwhile, U.S. Representative for Texas's 13th Congressional District, Ronnie Jackson, blasted her on social media, accusing her of betraying her party and the U.S., And I know she probably is endorsing Slotkin because she's a friend. They became friends working together in the U.S. Congress. And even before that, they were together working in the State Department. I get that. But nevertheless, what Liz Cheney is doing is she's showing her disdain. And her disdain is that of her father, Dick Cheney, former vice president. He was single-handedly the author of our invasion process in which we invaded Iraq, 
to supposedly find those weapons of mass destruction that weren't there, and then, of course, to get Saddam Hussein for having those weapons of mass destruction, which weren't there. And so they failed at that, but nevertheless, Liz Cheney turned her name, Cheney, into a ticket to get elected, and she got elected. I don't know if you know this, but there's only one congressional seat. Not congressional, but one seat in the House of Representatives for the whole state, and she held that. Hmm. It's amazing to me how these people in politics can do and justify the things that they do. And it seems like there's no shame for anything. If they decide to do it, that's sufficient. Just because they decide to do it makes it okay. Now, there have been some changes. There'll be some more between now and next Tuesday. Republicans are now favored to retake the center. That's according to forecaster 538. Now, that's a big deal because 538 has predicted until yesterday Democrats probably are going to keep control there. 538 estimated Republicans are favored to take back the Senate with 51 seats. Now, it's currently split 50-50 with Kamala Harris as the tiebreaker. The pollster appears to have shifted the Nevada race in favor of Republicans. Now, who does that mean? Nevada Republican Adam Laxalt is challenging Democrat Senator Catherine Cortez Masto. Laxalt has led the race in 10 of the last 14 polls with an average of nearly two points ahead. Cortez Masto has outspent Laxalt by about $9 million. Now think about that. That's a big deal. 538 changed its prediction after Breitbart reported on Saturday that betting odds contradicted the pollster's forecast. At that time, 538 gave Republicans only a 47 and 100 chance of reclaiming the Senate, while predicted odds showed Republicans had a 73 of 100 chances of retaking the Senate. So, on Monday, Real Clear Politics forecasted that seven Senate races, or toss-ups, those include New Hampshire, Wisconsin, Arizona, Nevada, Washington State, Georgia, and Pennsylvania. To retake the Senate, Republicans need to hold Pennsylvania and hold Wisconsin and retake either Arizona, Nevada, Washington, New Hampshire, or Georgia to have a one-seat majority in the Senate. And I'm one of those I agree with Newt Gingrich. I think we're going to win more seats than that. And when I say we, in, in just clarity, I need to make sure you understand, I am not a Democrat or Republican. So when I say we, I'm speaking in the conservative context, which I am one of those evil conservatives. You know who isn't making any election noise? Chuck Schumer. Now, why would you think that is? He is the majority leader in the Senate. You would think he'd be out on the campaign trail just beating a drum for everybody. Well, he's in trouble in his own race. I bet this is a shocker. He is barely, as of yesterday, securing 50% of the vote in his re-election bid. 
The latest Trafalgar Group poll shows Schumer not doing well in his New York re-election bid. This poll also comes out after one was released last night that shows that Lee Zeldin surging in the gubernatorial race in the typically blue state. That same poll showed, now this is the Trafalgar Group, very reputable. They make it, they very seldom miss a race. The poll showed that Schumer only has support from 50.6% of the respondents. 40% said they would vote for Republican Joseph Pinion. Another 5% said they would vote for Diane Sayre, the independent. 4.3% were undecided. This poll sampled 1,198 likely general election voters from October 27th to 31 with a 3% margin of error, 95% confidence level. The poll's respondents were 53.6% Democrats, 27% Republican, and 18.9% had no party or other affiliation. Last night, Trafalgar also released a poll for New York's gubernatorial race, showing Zeldin surge, slightly leading Democrat Governor Kathy Hochul now. The poll showed that 48.4% would vote for Zeldin, only 47.6% would vote for Hockle. It's a very, very close race. In most of the races around the nation, we're seeing these exact things happen over and over again. But you know what it tells me? It tells me that people in America are politically divided. <laughs> That's not a shock, is it? I mean, we are divided. And we'll always be divided. But it's a good thing in this way and this way only. It's okay to have a different perspective on who's running for office. But what's not okay is to get that perspective and to get it not from knowledge, not from knowing what's going on, but just because a person is a member of one political party or another. That bothers me a lot. And that's something that we need to find a way to work our way through because it should be issue-based only. Every election should be based on issues, not party affiliation. That's a wrap on today's show, folks. Have a great day. We'll be back tomorrow morning, first thing, right here at TNN Live.